Howdy, folks. Welcome to a world of fantasy with seven magical lands of timeless fun. The Magic Kingdom, where happily ever afters happen every day. Wait a minute. I love that idea. How about some backstage pass? Karebuni. I am Walter Wilson Muchuwa, and I am happy to welcome you to Harambe Wildlife Reserve. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about Walt Disney World, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and how and why we still enjoy frequenting the happiest place on earth. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may even return to your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And hopefully, we can share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Walt Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I'm one of your hosts, Dewey, and this is episode number two of the WDW Reflections podcast. With me today are my buddies, Ron and Tony. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on? Good to be here. Absolutely. We're recording on a, uh, on a Saturday morning uh, in, uh, it's still August, so we're recording on a Saturday morning in August. So uh, happy to be here, happy to be recording episode number two. We're pretty excited. Is so, it cold in Dover, Dewey? No, it was pretty hot yesterday. Um, I mean, you know, hot as it gets in Delaware. You know, me being an Arkansas boy, uh, I don't find that it ever really gets that hot in Delaware. Um, but uh, it was pretty warm. It was, I don't know, 84 or something. It was warm enough to wear shorts, so I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the podcast that we come up on and you start complaining about the snow. <laughs> It's going to be difficult to record this podcast when I'm angry about the weather. So we're going to have to figure out a no, way. This though. is so, a happy place, dude. You can't let the weather affect the podcast. I'll, I'm going to I'll put on a whole Hawaiian shirt and pretend it's still summertime when I'm down here in the basement of my winter wonderland home. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't get me started on the weather. Y'all I don't want to talk about the cold weather. I'm, I'm still thinking summertime and still warm. We still have a few right, weeks, Everybody likes to cut summer off way too early around here. Yeah, well, I mean, you figure, uh, yeah, you guys have already started school. Um, oh, yeah, we're a weekend. Yeah, see, I, I haven't even, as a teacher, I haven't even gone back yet. My first day is Thursday, this coming Thursday, and my students don't start until the following Wednesday, so the first week of September. So we start wow, after Labor that's Day awesome. now. that's awesome. I wish, that's cool. All right, so today we're going to be talking about our first trips to Walt Disney World. Each of us visited Disney World in three different decades. It's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, Ron was the first of our uh, hosts to visit. He made his first trek to the happiest place on earth in 1976. I made it down from Arkansas to Disney World for my first trip in 1985. And Tony made the long journey from New York to Disney World for his first trip in 1990. So each of us have done some digging in our personal archives to resurrect some of our memories so that we could share them with all of y'all today. 
for me personally, I couldn't have done it if it hadn't been for my mom and dad doing a great job chronicling uh, our trips with many pictures and and even better, a VHS tape uh, that my mom has transferred to DVD so that I could watch it. Uh, so that helped me do a lot of my research. As I was going through the photos, I even came across one of my dad with, you guys remember the giant VHS video recorders, the kind that would like sit up on your Oh shoulders? yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it, it was it, like the size of a Volkswagen, literally. Yeah. I mean, did it, it was have gigantic. The, did it have the case that had the cable going down to the case? <laughs> no, it was, it was like a one, maybe a one step newer than that. It yeah. was okay. all in stayed on the shoulder but it was yeah it had it it took an an, an actual full-size vcr tape yes you know in yeah. it so i mean the sucker was huge um but one of the pictures that uh that i'll we'll share in our video that we're going to put on youtube will have it's got the picture of us in front of spaceship earth we're in world showcase standing with spaceship earth behind us and my dad's got this gigantic. It's got to. It's got to weigh ten pounds. It, no, it actually. It actually weighed twenty pounds. I used to have one of those, and I used to walk oh around the park God. with that. And I, I remember the first couple of days in the park. It was this thing on my shoulder. It Absolutely. was heavy. Absolutely, twenty pounds. Yep, so that's crazy. That's, that, um, that people carry. Now you've got a phone that weighs less than five pounds, less than two pounds. Yes, whatever they weigh, and you can take HD video quality. Way beyond anything we did back then. Yeah, absolutely. Crazy. So it was really cool. My mom was sharing those pictures with me. Uh, I have the DVD here. She sent it to me a couple months ago, but the photo she was sharing with me in a in a text message, and um, you know that one with my dad holding that that gigantic video camera just really struck me. So uh, so let's jump in, guys. Uh, let's talk about our first trips. Um, I'll go ahead and go since I've already uh, already got the mic, I guess. So like I said, my first trip was in the summer of 1985. And um, we had been saving for years. And, uh, you know, we talked about previously that uh, it was pretty middle class family and everything. And uh, took a long time for us to be able to save up. And for that first trip, we uh, we went for three days. It was a three-day uh, three park days. You know, we were down there for a few days, but um, we went uh, for three days in the parks. And remember, 1985, there's only two parks. There was a Magic Kingdom and then Epcot Center. So um, first day was Magic Kingdom. And again, I was watching the 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 video from uh, from this trip and it was really cool. Uh, so I was able to kind of chronicle in what order we did some things. So uh, my very first time to Walt Disney World going to Magic Kingdom, we rode the ferry boat, not the monorail. So I found that interesting. I don't know why my family, um, when I was little, we liked to do the ferry boat. I don't even know why. I don't, maybe because the monorail line looked long or something. I don't know. Uh, but we frequently did that. And and that's actually a cool, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, that's actually yeah. a cool little ride. It's it's refreshing and it's a nice way to get into the park. It's still, it's still in its own way a, a, a nice way to present the park to you take you to another world because i mean it you know the the castle and the the train station is all right there right in front of you and everything one thing that struck me while watching the video was that it was only um the contemporary on one side and the poly on the other grand floridian (laughs) wasn't there yet so as the the video camera my dad he was always the videographer um as he pans you know around the scenery there was no grand floridian so that was pretty cool it's just open space over there 
So we finally get to uh, the other side of the Seven Seas Lagoon and uh, our very first attraction. What do you guys, I'll, I'll just let you guess. What do you think our very first attraction was? Yeah, I, I'm just going to guess your, it's your favorite one. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> when I say favorite, I'm kidding. It uh, was it was the first thing we came to. We immediately mm-hmm. got off, yeah, the, the train, the Walt Disney World Railroad. We immediately got off the ferry. We're like, hey, look, there's a train. And we just got on it. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, this, it's got the the Native American settlement with the teepees and stuff and all that. So that was, that's pretty cool. On my very first ride or attraction that I ever did in Disney world was the Walt Disney world railroad. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, remember back in those days, you know, nowadays you have almost unlimited space, you know, we got gigs and gigs and gigs on our phones. But if you remember in those days with those big video cameras, if you, if you recorded in the highest setting, uh, you only got 30 minutes on one of those tapes. So this videotape, you know, there's a lot of jumping around. You don't get all of anything because yeah, you get you two to be or three minutes of this. Yeah, yeah you got to be choosy. Exactly. So there's a lot of jumping around. So we got some, some, uh, some little bit of the parade, or I'm sorry, a little bit of the, of the railroad. And then it jumps to the parade, which was at three o'clock. So we didn't wow. do a whole so lot of taping on that first day. Yeah. Wait, wait, what time was that three o'clock parade though? I don't, I don't know. The three o'clock parade I'm was at 4.30. 4.30. <laughs> the three o'clock parade's at 4.30. So um, in 1985, it was actually, and probably to this day, it might be my favorite um, daytime parade. It was called Mickey Street Party. And uh, it, it went like, you know, thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Donald. And let's all give him a cheer. They like jump up in the air and stuff. It was it was really cool parade. Um, I love the music. I still I have it on. Um, I have like an MP3 of it or whatever. And uh, it's it's still catchy. It's still fun. But I, I can still remember that parade in my memories. Can I ask you, did you ever while you were growing up, did you ever get to see the Disney characters in person uh, back in Arkansas? Uh, no, no. Um, they, I know what you're talking about, how like sometimes they would travel or whatever. Yeah. Um, or I know you're in New York. I know you go down to Times Square and you can see oh. Disney characters or Elmo or whatever. <laughs> Those are different yeah, kinds of uh, Disney characters. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Facsimile, right? Uh, we didn't have that in Arkansas. I got to see the General Lee one time, but that's the closest thing I guess you could say. The General Lee came to Arkansas, but nice. uh, no uh, from Dukes of Hazard. But no Disney characters. So, yeah, that was a big deal to, you know, I was 11. So that was a big deal to see the Disney characters for the first time. Um, but the Love the Parade is still one of my favorites. Had really great music. Um, but one of the things that really caught my attention on, while I was watching this video is that the, the parade route was almost empty. Uh, it was, you know how now, if you go to see a parade oh, now, yeah. you got the people sitting on the curb. Yeah, you've got to line you up those little bands. Before the parade starts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hours. hours. Yeah. And then it's usually like three people deep, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, there was, for for this parade, the my first day there, there was curb space available, uh, you know, like right on the street. And um, in maybe one or two places that I could see, there might have been a couple people sitting on the curb and then maybe somebody standing behind them. But like nowadays you're talking three or four people deep and you're trying to look over people's shoulders and stuff. There was prime real estate curb space available here. That really struck me. uh, The difference in, in attendance numbers and stuff from, 
from 1985 versus now. Um, let's see. So well, back in 1985, and, uh, that was before the big renaissance, before everybody started to get back into Disney again, before the Little absolutely. Mermaid and all that happened. Absolutely, the Disney decade, right? We're we're before that, so the Disney was and, and kind of struggling as far as. Uh, you know, they were approaching bankruptcy. There was almost hostile takeovers and all that stuff. So yeah. you're right. Before Michael Eisner came in and... and he the, just kind of came in around Renaissance. Time. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. So the number, park attendance numbers, according to what my video showed, uh, you could get prime real estate sitting on the curve for the, for the three o'clock parade. Uh, I also noticed that uh, my family uh, started a tradition then uh, my mom, whenever we went to see a parade, her favorite place to watch a parade was on the second level, like the balcony of the train station. So you yeah. could, so all of our videos of every parade for like 10 years were from that vantage point where you're looking that's down at the parade. That's a great vantage point. You get to see the so entire we always parade, watch there. parade up there, but I've always thought it would be fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a good spot. And my, my mom would, would park there early and 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 that was her favorite spot so i real i recognize in this video our first trip that's where we were for the parade so that started from day one for us so that was pretty cool um next up we went to the jungle cruise which you know the jungle cruise has been the same for a hundred years uh but we did get a little bit uh you know three or four minutes of uh, a video from the jungle cruise and I noticed that uh, the joke, you know, when they say this is beautiful Schweitzer Falls named after Dr. Albert Falls and ha ha ha, ha you know, that's funny. Uh, that joke was present in 1985. So oh, sure. I don't know how old that joke is, um, but it was there in 1985. So it's at least that old. So it was probably there in 1955. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Back and, at Disneyland. And every time I'm on Jungle Cruise, I still laugh at that. And my kids look at me and they're like, Really, Dad? And I'm like, yes, really, it's hilarious. But it was there in '85, well, so that you kind of feel laugh. obligated to, to you kind of feel obligated to laugh at the skipper jokes because they're right in front of your face and it's kind of rude. <laughs> Everyone else yeah. is usually just sitting there with blank stares on their faces. Yeah, I, <laughs> I still find it funny. Absolutely. Uh, next up on our video was the Country Bear Jamboree, which again in the '80s, you know, and I still enjoy that that attraction now. But in the '80s, you know, audio animatronics were you know, a big deal. It was, you know, really cool to see those things. I can remember that as a kid, but what I didn't remember that I'm glad we had on video that reminded me is that it was a different version of the country bears. It wasn't the really? regular show. It was, I, I, I don't even know what it was called. It was like a summertime version, but they were all wearing like Hawaiian shirts and they had Hawaiian lays on the, around their necks and like big um, straw hats and stuff. And they were doing like the Beach Boys and songs like that. So uh, that was kind of cool. I didn't really even remember that until I saw until I saw that my, my parents video. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and then it like poof back in my head. Uh, you know, like the female bears were wearing bikinis and stuff. It was, it was <laughs> funny. It was funny. Uh, so it was cool. I'm glad that uh, glad we had a video of that. Uh, one of them was wearing uh, goggles and a snorkel and stuff you know it was just it was silly but it was funny I'm, I'm glad we got to got to see that uh one thing that <laughs> and this is just personal to me one thing that made me laugh we talked about how the time and the space was very limited on a vhs tape only 30 minutes but 
even knowing that my dad still drove all the way to Disney World from uh, from from Arkansas and still used some of that prime space to tape ducks, just ducks <laughs> on the side of the <laughs> side of the of the water. And I'm like, Dad, we're running out of space on the tape, and you're taping ducks. I thought that was hilarious. Uh, we have ducks in Arkansas, Dad. We didn't need to record those in Florida. Uh, yeah, but these are special ducks. They're related to Donald. Oh, it's Donald's cousin. Yeah. How silly of me. So that made me laugh. Um, Hall of Presidents. We did Hall of Presidents. And uh, you guys know I've talked about before. I'm a big history buff. So I loved Hall of Presidents when I was a kid. Um, Reagan was president. Okay. Good question. I was asking who. Yep. Just giving you that great lead in there. Very timely question there, Ron. Yes, Ronald Reagan was president in 1985. And he was there. He's sitting in a chair. Uh, and it's really cool. You can see him. He's like sitting with his legs crossed and he's tapping his foot like his That's foot cool. moves. Th- those kind of details always got me. Was that before they had the, the sitting president speak? Uh, it was. Uh, uh, hey, great question, Tony. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe you don't know. The first sitting president to speak in the Hall of Presidents was actually uh, President Clinton in the 90s. So he was the first one to record something. Of course, you know, uh, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln spoke, but it wasn't them, you know, in case y'all didn't know. Um, but uh, so Reagan didn't speak. He was the sitting the sitting president and he was present in the show, but he did not speak in the show. And yes, Clinton was the first one. President Clinton spoke uh, after his uh, election in 92. That's an so, interesting fact. I didn't know that. That's yeah. So no other president prior to Clinton recorded their own speech. That's correct. And then all of them have since then. Uh, President well, yeah, Clinton. Yeah, I'm sure. Because that, once, pre- once that's set, you can't be the guy that breaks it. Absolutely. So all of them have since. Uh, and, you know, now we know that President Biden, uh, they just released him a couple months ago. So uh, still keeping that tradition going. Uh, next up, I noticed uh, we videoed Big Thunder Mountain more than we wrote it. I don't know. Uh, my dad was just uh, really... Uh, interested or, or found it, uh, uh, you know, uh, pleasing to the eyes. But he, we sat there again on a 30 minute tape and we had probably five minutes of random people riding Big Thunder Mountain. So some, uh, some good video of strangers on Thunder Mountain, if you're interested in watching that. That's a pretty colorful area, though. It's a nice thing to video. Absolutely. It is good to see. And uh, uh, Tony, you're going to find this hilarious because you know how I feel about this attraction. But my mom had to video It's a Small World in its entirety. <laughs> that is oh, my God, dude. So, like, I'm watching, like, cherished family movies, and I love it. You know, I'm seeing, you know, my parents and my brother, and we're little kids and stuff. And then there's, like, an hour and 46 minutes of <laughs> It's a Small World. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, Mom, what are you doing? You're killing me. But, yeah, so... Uh, I got to sit through It's a Small World. That was hilarious. Um, And that's it for day one. That's, uh, you know, again, we're talking short videos, uh, but that's it for day one. So Magic Kingdom on day one. Uh, Day two was Epcot Center. And as you guys know, Epcot Center is my favorite, um, even to this day. I think it's more for nostalgic reasons because I remember what Epcot Center was. Um, And, uh, but... So my first time there, day two was Epcot Center, and I, I was crazy about it. Something that's really cool, and maybe this is why I feel the way I do about this attraction, but 
my very first attraction that I ever rode at Epcot Center was World of Motion. Uh-huh. World of Motion was the very first thing we rode. So I absolutely love that ride. It's still my all-time favorite Disney attraction. So it's pretty cool how that it was you, the first thing I rode. How did you make it into the park and all the way back to World of Motion without riding a ride? Uh, well, I know that, you know, even today, when you walk into, uh, when you first walk into Epcot, you always skip Spaceship Earth because since it's the first one there, there's always a long line. We always hit Spaceship Earth on the way out because when we're leaving, everybody else has already ridden it. So, uh, so I know we just skipped Spaceship Earth and, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know if maybe we, we, um, cause I know my mom had the 1985, version of burn bombs guide to the uh, uh, disney world so parks maybe this is the i way think do we it. were interested <laughs> yes i think we were interested in that attraction so we might have just gone straight to it um and my mom actually uh showed me she still has the 1985 copy of uh, burn bombs nice. she's she's going to send it to me actually so i'm looking forward to seeing that but my guess is that we were just interested in it i don't know i don't know why that was the first but it was um the uh, had a great post-show area and the music was great. All the Epcot pavilions had great music. And we're going to talk about that, um, you know, as this this uh, web podcast series goes on. Uh, next up was the uh, the Living Seas. And my dad got a minute or two of the Hydrolators. You guys remember the Hydrolators? Oh, yeah. that was oh my gosh. Yeah. Hydrolators were the greatest. I love the Hydrolators. And then the ladies like the deluge. You guys remember that from no. the, the pre-show? You don't remember the Living Seas pre-show? And the lady's like, and it rained, and it rained, <laughs> and it I rained. Do, you doing that has brought it back to my memory. <laughs> and, and then she goes, the deluge. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so good. Uh, that's from the pre-show. But uh, And then the hydrolators, that was the greatest. Uh, the music in the Living Seas, again, man, all the Epcot Center pavilions all had their own music. And the music from the Living Seas is just fantastic. I absolutely love it. Everything um, was was uh, was sort of spacey, museum, yeah. uh, optimistic future, uh, almost otherworldly in that in that in Epcot Center. Absolutely. Optimistic is the key. I mean, everything was about hope. You know, it was about, you know, the Tomorrow's wonderful future. Child. Oh, Yeah. I love tomorrow's shot. I actually listened to that this morning. That's funny you say that. That was on my playlist this morning. Let's see. So uh, Living Seas is great. Love the music. Uh, we we hopped into World Showcase. And again, you know, like I said, the video is choppy or whatever. Um, and uh, on my dad's video, the double-decker bus. You guys remember the double-decker buses that used to travel around in World Showcase? You guys remember that? No. You could uh, You could ride a bus... And it was like the double decker kind, like uh, like you know okay. Harry Potter, like yeah. the you know the bus that he's on. Um, it was a double decker. You could get on it and and ride from one end of the world showcase to the other. Um, so th- we got some video of that. They're not there anymore, obviously, because you know the crowds are too thick. Uh, but I thought that was cool. Um, Norway wasn't there yet, so you when we're walking by, um, walking by the between Mexico and China, there's just bathrooms there there was no norway pavilion so that was kind of cool um uh, one of the things i noticed in our video that all the on all, um and i'm going to butcher this because I, I don't speak spanish uh el rio de tiempo uh all the animatronics worked on that so that was cool it probably hasn't all worked since uh 1985 
Uh, I remember one of the one of the things in that ride they have um, they're doing that celebration. So there's fireworks and stuff. And that little that little cart that they're carrying used to spin and used to light up and it looked like fireworks. Um, you could see that in my video and it hasn't done that in a very long time. So that was kind of cool to see. Um, and and, and about, I know that the tempo was the thing that was in there before the Donald and. Yes. Uh, and, and it's yeah. for the most part, it's basically the same. The right. ride's the same, except for they added the three caballeros into the end. And then they changed the music and they changed a couple of the the movies. Um, you know, like as you're floating through, you see like the Aztec temple and uh, Donald walks up it and, and the stairs fall or whatever. Right. And he saw it falls down. Those the the that Aztec temple was always there. They just threw Donald in it, you know, so they didn't change a whole lot. Um, so that's one of the things that I do enjoy still to this day. I still enjoy going on that because yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's it's really close to the original attraction. Uh, now it's the Grand Fiesta Tour with right. with the three caballeros. But when it was um, El Rio de Tiempo, it really wasn't a whole lot different. Um, day three, back to the Magic Kingdom. And then I'll just talk about a couple of things. Um, the the three little pigs and the big bad wolf were characters that walked around. Do you guys remember when yeah. you see them yeah. at, uh, no, at the Magic Kingdom? I don't Kingdom, remember so that was cool. seeing characters. Really? Oh, you don't? From Not, your first well, trip, you don't? Let me back that up. I don't remember seeing characters in the early days, what I consider early days. So in 1985, I guess I do remember seeing characters, but I'm sorry, I'm jumping into my story. So no, no, do that, but. no, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're, we're discussing. So please jump in. Um, so I just thought that because you never see them anymore. Like you, no, never you don't see, see little pigs, no, you Big don't. Bad Wolf. You're right. And Big Bad Wolf was pretty funny. He was always just picking on kids and stuff and, and making fun. And like he was in, in the video, um, you know, they were signing an autograph or something and the little kid was trying to take their pen back and he was holding the pen up high. So the kid was jumping for the pen and stuff, awesome. you know, just How uh, it's you fun when you it? can. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's fun when you can dress up as a character and then pick on kids, you know, so <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, did, that does spur a, a question in my mind with the 50th anniversary coming up what characters you will start seeing in the parks and what type of things they'll do to celebrate where the, the, the past. It would be really cool if they did bring back a lot of those, uh, you know, hard to find characters and stuff like that. I know that in some of the, the nighttime pay an extra price ticket for the, you know, garden parties where you get desserts and stuff, they do bring out some, uh, characters that you don't see a lot um but for the 50th that'd be i think that'd be really cool if they did mm -hmm. that that's a hey ron why don't you call uh what's his name don chapek or whatever the 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 new ceo is uh call him when you're complaining about genie plus also tell him to bring out some of those uh old characters and i'm sure he'll listen he's he, he <laughs> appears sure to he have the ear of the of the disney fan uh let's see uh, you guys remember the mural, the the gigantic painted mural that was in um, uh, what is the exposition hall? You know, when you walk into Magic Kingdom on your right hand side, the exposition hall. It's um, beside Tony's Town Square. Okay. Uh, you know the restaurant now, and it, I think it's like a camera center or something now. I can't yeah, remember. They, yeah. of course, they sell souvenirs in there, but there used to be 
uh, a theater back there that mm-hmm. showed um, the Disney story, yeah. the Mickey. Disney story. The, in my and time, it was Mickey stuff. It was the, Steamboat Willie and stuff like that. Now, your thing, the cinema up further on Main Street had ah. Steamboat Willie. The this very was, first they had the building, story of Walt, right? Yes. As soon as you walk through underneath the tunnel from the train station, right? The city halls on your left. On the right was the exposition hall. And in the exposition hall, they had the theater back there that was um, uh, the Walt Disney story. I think it's a character meet now. I, I don't know for sure. I hadn't gone in there in a long time. But back there on that wall but, uh, before the theater was this gigantic, beautiful mural that had every Disney character you could think of, mm. uh, you know, up to that point, up to 1985. And a beautiful, beautiful mural. And it's gone now. I've, I've since read that... Um, when they were remodeling, when they took out those theaters um, and made it character meet and greets, that it was just bulldozed or, or oh, like really? a sledgehammer. They just tore it out. Yeah, it's sad. Didn't preserve it. Um, I, I also noticed that this was before all the characters had handlers or friends with mm-hmm. them, you know, that so uh, it was a mob scene. Like you just had to, there was no line. You couldn't, there was no organization to try and get a picture. There was a couple of times my mom was like, uh, you know, we're waiting and someone to get in front of us and someone get in front of us. And my mom was like, go now, go now. You know, like, OK, it's your turn. Go. You know, so it's pretty funny. Um, there was no organization to it at all. So, again, I guess the early days of characters and stuff. I think I think that's definitely true. Something that still carries over to the last time that I was at Disneyland uh, over a decade ago now. So it must have changed. But we noticed that a lot of the characters were walking around freely without a handler in sight. It was a kind of place where I guess people respect the fact those are the characters. No one's going to mob them or or uh, or do any harm to them. But I, I know that the more crowded the Disney World gets, the the longer the lines are to, to see these folks. And you had to control that somewhere. Absolutely. And right. I've, I've heard that about Disneyland. Also, I haven't been there yet, but I've heard that it's you can just have a, a chance meeting with a character there like you used to in the old days back in and disney world it was very much that way when i was a kid i remember seeing um tweedledee and tweedledum uh they were by the mad hatter tea party uh you you could just happen upon them you know there was no schedules to meet characters and stuff back in those days and i heard that disneyland uh, is still like that sometimes so that's kind of cool different uh different clientele there in disneyland though yeah we have to talk about that someday Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the parade, there um, the horse drawn horse drawn calliope wagon. Do you guys remember that? I it do was, remember um, that. Played like the I don't know what those things are called. It's like uh, like the 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 entire wagon is like this big flute, and it's mm-hmm. like pipe organ. It's like a an air instrument, right? A calliope, I think, is what those are called. Um, that was really cool. I haven't seen that in decades, but that used to come out before the parades. Um, then there's a video uh, on the video. We, my dad wasted some of that precious VHS tape time on 20,000 leagues under the sea. Ah, Holy nice. smokes, y'all that dude, I, at 11 years old, I can remember I was disappointed in, uh, in, 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 in the attraction because the day before that, we were at Epcot. I, that's the one ride that I wanted to ride. And never got to. So in my mind, it's still the best ride that ever existed. Well, let me tell you, 11-year-old Dewey went to Epcot Center on on the second day and saw the living seas and was amazed at all the, the real animals, real fish and sharks and all that stuff. 
And then the next day I went to Magic Kingdom, waited two hours for, uh, for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I was very disappointed because it was basically fish on strings. That's all it was. It was foam fish on strings. And uh, so... Uh, I, what? No mermaids? No mermaids. No. Rarely am I disappointed at Disney, but 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea disappointed 11-year-old Dewey, for sure. I will say they improved that ride with the one that they had at Disneyland when I went to visit. They they still had it there, but it was turned into Nemo and Friends, and they did a, a thing where they have the projections um, on the on the window screen, so you kind of get the idea that Nemo and his friends are out there. Yeah, it's, I think it's very similar technology to what they use in what was the living seas now it's the seas with nemo and friends and yes got, very it's, similar it's similar yep. to that so uh so Except at least, you're on a sub you're on a submarine yes so a little bit better than fish on strings <laughs> <laughs> so all right and i'm going to wrap up here um that sounds like another attraction but in defense of 20 you're looking at technology you compare technology from the 50s what, 1955 to yeah. technology of 19 85 sure sure but i mean you know and i know you can't put an animatronic underwater but i mean you've got pirates the caribbean with like you know they're dancing and chasing each other doing stuff and then Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea is fish on strings you know it's just well did you get to at least let me ask you this because i've never been on the ride did you have stuff in front of you that you could act like you were on the no, you had a circle window in front of your, you literally put your face in a circle window and, and the, the, the submarine went at like six miles per hour and you, you went by coral reefs, you know, man-made obviously with fish on strings. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That's <laughs> wow. what it was, man. It was fish on strings. And, and but the theming, they didn't even keep up with Disney theming with it. It sounds look the submarine was awesome. Like it was okay. really well themed. It you looked like you were on the Nautilus from the movie and everything. Obviously smaller, but right. uh, and it had bench seating and stuff. It was cool on the submarine, but you know, I mean, wasn't there a scene though with the with the octopus at the end? At the end, you go into the cave, and then there's the giant octopus. But again, it was obviously you know i mean Foam. disney didn't go find a giant squid you know i mean it was fake but it looked fake it wasn't you know to me it wasn't up to disney standards wow. and that's 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 and, and yeah I it still had a two-hour wait <laughs> the, dude i have never to this day i have never waited in a longer line wow in 48 trips to disney world i have never waited in a longer line than i did for twenty thousand leagues under the sea so maybe that's why i'm so bitter about it maybe it's the longest line ever and i was disappointed i don't know so uh, a couple of last interesting things i saw um that you guys remember, I don't think it still does it. If it does, it's very, very quiet. But do you remember when there used to be a wolf howling around uh, the Haunted Mansion? The Haunted Mansion, yeah. yeah oh, it was, yeah. Like, it, dude, it was um, very loud, like, you know, in you know, on my parents' video. And the wolf howling was just, I mean, it was all you could hear. And I was like, wow, I remember that now. Like, you could hear it from... You know, as you were walking before you even got there, you could hear that, you know, the wolf howl like that. Um, but I was really surprised by how loud it was. And I don't know if it still does it. I don't remember it doing it anymore. Uh, but it was really, really loud then. 
And then the last thing that was on the video that uh, made me think about it was the original Pirates of the Caribbean. So this is uh, before um, all the politically correct changes, you know, so before Johnny Depp. Uh, before the, uh, you know, pirates used to chase the girls and then they changed that. And um, and before Jack Sparrow was added and, and everything. So uh, the, the we had several minutes of. Um, a video from the Pirates of the Caribbean, and it, it kind of it made me miss the original, the original, um, the original version of that ride because I mean you you can't beat the original. It was fantastic. So I miss the old original Pirates of the Caribbean, and that's it for my three day first trip to Disney. I will say um, that you guys remember that we uh, I told you we were pretty middle class and we had to save up for a long time. We drove down there in a 1969 Chevrolet van that, uh, and that's what we camped in. We, uh, we stayed at a campground off property cause we, we couldn't afford Fort wilderness. Uh, I think my mom actually said we stayed at Fort wilderness one night, but it was really expensive. So we went to an off, uh, offsite place called Fort summit, um, Fort summit campground a few miles away. And we stayed there for a couple of nights, but we, there were five of us, man. My, uh, we found, I talking into my, my mom about this trip, my aunt, who is only four years older than me. Um, so at this time she was probably 15 or 16. Um, we, uh, she went with us. So the five of us slept in this van at the campground. Uh, but it's hilarious, man. I, I don't know how five, five people slept in this van for a trip, but we did what we had to do to get down to Disney for, uh, for our first trip. So it was, uh, you know, pretty close quarters, but great memories. So do you remember if you stayed, is, do you remember if you stayed at the park very long that night? Um, I know that we stayed, we were, when I was little and growing up and everything, we were, we were gung ho. We would do open to close. We would stay as, as long as we could. And, um, we weren't on property. So it's not like we would go back in the middle of the day or swim, you know, to do that or take a rest. Cause we weren't on property. So we stayed, uh, you know, open to close the whole time. All right. So that's it for my first trip. Uh, I think I covered everything I could remember. So uh, Ron, you ready to to tell us about yeah, your absolutely. first trip? Uh, I'm looking, I do not have near the details. I did do some research um, just because 1976 is a long time ago. So, but some things that I, as I was recalling and trying to put together um, what was so cool about this trip in 1976, one is why was I so excited about Disney? And Disney over the years and even back then did an incredible job of marketing. And Tony, you remember because you mentioned yeah. it already, but every Sunday night, wonderful world of Disney would come on. And while they wouldn't, necessarily promote the parks directly the the opening scene would show the monorail going and they'd show different clips from the park and and occasionally they would even do um some broadcasts that centered around the park but it wasn't entirely just park promotion it was disney films being introduced by walt disney and and um it was just good family entertainment right but that drew me in and wanted me, you know, with some of the video that they had from now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably more from Disneyland than Disney World. But 
in any case, it, it drew you in and made Disney a place you wanted to visit. Uh, another memory that really had me, and to this day, has me wanting to spend a night in the contemporary is, do you guys remember, did you guys have weekly reader readers when you sure. were in school? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They had a whole, the center section of that was all about Disney and the how the monorail would was designed to go through this hotel called the contemporary and it would show the restaurants and it just did the, and I was just like amazed that this train could go through a building without the doors needing to be closed. And I mean, it would just, it was just something that reverberated with me. Um, and I'm also from Ohio. So Ohio has some really good, amusement parks. One was Lesorgeville, um, and it wasn't near as big as the one that, then there was Coney Island. Coney Island closed down and they opened Kings Island. I don't remember the years that all this happened, but they were not necessarily theme parks like Disney. They were more amusement parks. So it was thrill rides. And, and so we made a yearly trek to Kings Island on a regular basis. Right. And so we're, we understand what an amusement park is. And while we knew Disney was different, we were still going in as a kid. Well, I'm going in, we're going to have big thrills and, and major um, hills and, and all kinds of fun. And so that was bringing the excitement about Disney. And then just general, our, everybody would, everybody had started making their treks down to Walt Disney world, even back then. And I remember my fifth grade teacher told her experience about um, space mountain and how her son was all game hole ready to go. And she was the one that was truly frightened by this roller coaster that's indoors and you don't know where you're going. And, and um, so that brought a lot of excitement about, um, going to Disney World. And then we we get to the park and you get on the monorail. And and don't get me wrong, it was an awesome experience. We we enjoyed it, but we and I, like you do, I I don't remember any um what we wore, what we rode in what order or um um and didn't have a video to go back and and try to capture some of that. But there are some distinct memories that I do have. And one is I distinctly remember coming into Walt Disney World where you drive in and coming up to that same parking credenza that you come to to pay for parking was very similar to what it is now. And you'd go into the monorail station. You had the choice between going to the ferry or to the monorail. Um, I remember, you got to remember my parent, we, we, I've not said this yet, but my dad is a very impatient man. So lines were not something that he really enjoyed, but I remember it being very crowded. But to your point, if 1985 wasn't very crowded, I'm sure 1976 was not near the crowds that I remember them to be. But that being said, um, 
we chose the monorail to go over on the monorail and I'm assuming, I don't know dates, but I'm confident that, um, Grand, Grand Florian was not there and I'm sure Polynesian wasn't there, but the contemporary was. And when we rode through the contemporary on the monorail as a it was just, I, it was the most incredible thing that I think I had experienced to that point. That's a beautiful view of the, whenever you look at the contemporary coming out of there, it, it's something yeah. you have to stop and, and stare at. And I, I, I'm I, I with still you enjoy staring at it. It's weird. Absolutely. I, I can remember that as a kid. I don't remember where I saw it, if it was, you know, Disney Channel or whatever, but I remember that knowing that I was going there finally someday and knowing that I was going to get to see the monorail go through the hotel and everything, I, I, I can definitely remember that as a kid. Uh, being just amazed that they could do that. Just like you said, uh, I remember that as a kid also. Yeah, it just, um, and and then to walk in and the music and, and it just was a, Disney definitely knows how to create um, an atmosphere and, and that, that place that you just feel happy to be there. And, and so that was still true then so everything i'm saying makes it sound like well he caught the disney bug pretty well back in 1976 but but then we went into and started trying to find the rides and you got to remember in 1976 there wasn't splash mountain there wasn't thunder mountain railroad there um the one thrill ride that they really had was space mountain and we didn't come to that for some time. Um, I remember doing the Bear Jamboree. I remember doing, um, and that was unique because to your point, dude, even in the 80s, that was incredible technology. In 1976, you didn't see anything like that unless you went to a place like Disney or other parks. But even other parks really didn't do do it justice like Disney, Disney, you really felt like these things were alive. And uh, I was always, you know, first of all, uh, Space Mountain was built or opened in 75. So you got to see it when it was brand new. If you if you were there in 76, it was a brand new attraction. So it was literally state of the art in in 1976. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the. Yeah, uh, the knowing that a roller coaster was inside a building was it that blew everybody away. And and then it, and I don't remember, did you may know, could you ride the people mover? I know you could see Space Mountain, but they didn't turn the lights on, right? No, the lights, the lights are only uh, when there's a malfunction uh, thing going on. That's when you see the lights. But yes, the people mover. Uh, opened with Space Mountain in 76. Okay. So, so yeah, we got on the people mover and you could oh, I'm see. I'm sorry, 75, not 76. Like reflectors on the, on the cars. So you yeah. could see the cars zooming by, but you really couldn't make out anything that was. Yeah. The cars used to glow in the dark, didn't they? Yeah. They, I don't think it does that anymore. I don't think the cars glow anymore, but they did. So did they glow in the dark in 76? Oh, absolutely. Okay, cool. You drove by, you could um, see the cars just, they were blur 
because they were going, at least I remember them as a blur. They probably weren't a blur, but I remember them as a blur because again, this is all new technology. This is not glow in the dark was not <laughs> something that you could just go to the store and buy a sticker that gl- glowed in the dark. You just, and, and that's the part that's, that I didn't capture when I was there is the amount of technology that Disney had developed and or used to help create the, the, what we were experiencing. The unfortunate part is we were looking for thrill and we found details that we didn't appreciate. Like the Tom Sawyer Island. I, 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 don't have the picture, but I distinctly remember taking a picture holding the paintbrush of, and, and here's the thing, you, you re- remember my dad is not a sit and ponder. He's a let's go, go, go. And um, so I had to pull my mom. I had to stop my mom. No, I want a picture with this Tom Sawyer paintbrush. Why I wanted that, I don't know, but I wanted a picture of me painting the fence at Tom Sawyer's Island. And but I also distinctly remember thinking it was the most boring part of Disney being on Tom Sawyer's Island because there literally was, it was an island that you just walked around and, and I think it had storyboards or something that told the story, but there was no interactive. I mean, there was stuff that you could read and, and things, but no entertainment. Person. Was the cave there still? The cave should have been there. No? The cave was there. It was. Now, did you, I know for a while that finding the paintbrush was a big deal. Like if you found the, the first kid to find the paintbrush on Tom Sawyer's Island every day, they would, you would get some sort of prize. And do you remember? Uh, I wish I would have known that, but <laughs> yeah, I, that was, and I don't know if they were doing it in 76 or, or what, but I, I remember reading something uh, that for a long time, that was a big deal. You had to be the first kid to find it every day, but they sure. would hide it on Tom Sawyer Island. And then the first kid to find it get got some sort of prize. I didn't know. If How cool is that? I had not, I had not heard that. That's, that's a neat way to add some fun to that attraction though. Well, yeah. If you're the first kid after that, did Disney so, World have um, the canoes there at, at the way Disneyland has? Did you have to ride? They the canoe? Do, do they have the, the canoe ride around the river at that point? No, they had the steamboat. Oh, the steamboat. But how did you get over to Tom Sawyer Island? They had a raft. raft. Yeah, it was a boat, basically, but it was designed like a raft. So that's a great question, Tony, um, because when we were going over to Tom Sawyer Island, I was amazed because they had this raft that they could put so many people on, and they truly had it look like they were guiding it with um, nothing, basically. You know, how you would that old... A raft, you just have a board in the water. Like a router, right? A yeah, just router. a router. And, um, and now I can, you can look and see the tracks for both the steamboat and for the, um, the raft. I don't think the raft is there anymore, but it was, it was fun. And so that built my excitement. But then when you got to the island, they're really, it, I didn't appreciate it as a kid. I'll put it that way. Um, was it hot? Were you there at a particularly warm? Oh yeah, time? we were there in the summer. It was burning hot, burning hot. And so, the, but nineteen seventy six, as you guys know, was the bicentennial year. So everything was patriotic. Yeah. And 
everything was red, white, and blue. Um, even the parade, and I, I um, have to give some credit to a site that I got all my research on was Deb Willis. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and they had a um, old, the, um, what do you call it? The, the guide to Walt Disney world that they, you get when you were um, a guest of Walt Disney world. So it would have, it had the maps. It had some guys. It, it basically was, it almost feels like it was the prelude to what's the book that you refer to. Um, Burn Burn Bound. Yeah. It almost feels like the prelude to that because it has character. It, it, what I'm looking at has very much, the feel of one of those books. Cause I've looked at it and, and um, so I got some interesting facts about 1976 from that site. And it was really um, took me back to my childhood and, and helped me realize that my parents had made some sacrifice for us to go here. Um, the pricing, if I read it to you would not make, make you think that that's the case let me i'm gonna just just for the fun of it right and and that's the other thing that i want that memory that is so i'll go into some of the things that i found disappointing as a kid at disney one is everybody you've seen these characters on tv and we talked about it earlier a little bit about character me dude you did not see the characters at disney you saw them in the parade and that was it and I was really disappointed because I wanted to meet Mickey Mouse. I, I wanted to get a picture with Mickey. And and I remember being very, very disappointed that we got, I mean, I was excited because we saw him in the parade. And I'm thinking, well, at the end of the parade, they'll start walking around and stuff. And and they didn't. You didn't see the characters after the parade. And um, so that was one of the things that was disappointing. The other disappointing thing that really hit me hard was you had tickets so you had to pay to get into well now that i understand it a little bit because i researched it you you had to buy a ticket book that ticket book included your entry to the park but you could buy an eight ride a 12 ride a 17 ride um book and but from that book you'd have to choose rides that you could ride does that make sense what i'm saying so yes you had 17 options if you bought the book of 17 so yeah and it's not going to sound like it but when i start giving you some of these prices i i've come to realize that um there was some sacrifice obviously disney's never been known to be the the cheapest place to go for vacation and and that's the other thing that i think is important is that <clears throat> I know, Dewey, you guys went in 1985 and, and you made it a multiple day. In 1976, multiple days, while they had a ticket for multiple days at Walt Disney World, um, that wasn't, I don't, for our family, I should say, that was not even an option. We didn't even consider that. They planned a an entire vacation, week-long vacation to Disney and we went to Bush Gardens, we went to Silver Springs, we went to uh, the beach and Disney just happened to be one day. So again, that kind of helps you understand 
where our mindset was Bush Gardens was another it, they had a lot of thrill rides. Silver Springs, not so much. You ride a glass bottom boat, but you see live in nature. And, and so it was more of a destination or less of a destination and more of a stop along the way um, for us. And, and so for eight rides, the ticket cost was $7.25. And if I'm reading this correctly, includes admission to the Magic Kingdom and use of the transportation system and admission to eight attractions. If you wanted to do 12 attractions, it was 820. And I'm giving you the adult price. They did have a junior price, which I don't think they even have this anymore. For a junior ticket was um, ages 12 to 17. That was 675. And then they had a child's ticket which you had to pay if they were three or older, $6.25. Well, so, Ron, I just wanted then, to, when you were talking about that and talking about $1,976, I went to a, a cost of living inflation calculator on my phone real quick. Oh, cool. So for 1976, you said that eight ride ticket was $7.25. Yeah. Uh, comparable that is in today's dollars, $33 and 92 cents. So, so that was, wow. that was not cheap in 1976. That was a lot of cash. And I, I, I know my parents well enough that and more so my dad, that there's no way we went for eight rides. We went (laughs) and that was $8 and 25 cents. And a junior, which is again, which would we where we would have felt well, no, we would have fallen in the child because I was 11. So they had they would have had three children, one junior, and two adults they, they were paying for. And the children were seven dollars and twenty-five cents. The junior was seven dollars and seventy-five cents, and adults were eight dollars and twenty-five cents. But wow, with that calculator, what what that gives you real perspective of what vacations to Disney were, were costing that. So that adult ticket for eight dollars and twenty five cents uh, in today's uh, equivalent, it would be thirty eight dollars and sixty cents. So that's thirty eight bucks to get through the door. And you're only getting would you say that was the eight ride ticket that was the 12, so 12 rides. the 12. OK, so it wasn't cheap. I mean, no. you figure in, you know. In, in the seventies, you were lucky if you were making $10,000 a year, you know, I mean, to, right. if you had a good job. Yeah. So, um, that's, uh, that, that says a lot about how much those e-ticket attractions, you know, how much you were paying to get on those rides. Yeah. And then just so, just to give everybody, they did have a two day ticket book and that was the 17 ride one. Dude, that was $15 for an adult, 14 for a junior and 13 for a child. So you really didn't catch a break with that. Well, the $15 ticket for two days there, that's $70.19. So now we know why your uh, your family only went for one day. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so anyway, all that to say that um, you could also, this is interesting too, and I don't mean to keep going, but it's just interesting to me general mission you could go and not 
ride anything and just walk around. And that was $6 for an adult, $5 for a junior and $3 for a child. Just to walk and not go on anything. Well, yeah. they had some free rides. I know that, like, if you had wings, yeah, I'm going to talk ride. about those. Okay, um, I'm not trying to steal your thunder. Oh no, no, no. That, is, but so that was so. The, I I told you guys about the disappointing stuff. I didn't get to meet the characters like I was hoping to, um, and I didn't get to go on twenty thousand leagues under the sea. And here's the reason why: you had to have tickets. It wasn't just uh, an all day pass and go do what you want to do. You had to literally choose, and you had family members. Back then, families didn't, at least at Disney for us, we didn't split and say kids go here and adults are going to go there. We did do that at Kings Island, so it's a little weird that we didn't do it at Disney other than the fact that Kings Island was a one-day all-you-go-do-anything-you-want-to-do, where with – I'm sure my parents didn't trust us to take a ticket book, especially at the cost that we just talked about to go figure out what we wanted to do for the day. So as a family, we had to pick and choose what we were going to ride and 20,000 leagues under the sea didn't make the cut. <laughs> and my guess is it was probably an e-ticket. So it would, it, took oh, it more definitely tickets. was an e-ticket. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it, was it was more expensive to get on that one so absolutely and, and if I, I i don't remember this but i kind of remember it being between it, it may not have been but obviously we wanted to ride space mountain and that was definitely an e-ticket and twenty thousand leagues under the sea it sounds like we made from your review dewey we probably made the best choice of deciding to go on Space Mountain. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've got a story around that, too. Haunted Mansion, I remember, because our uncle and aunt and uncle had gone, and they had really talked that right up um, in how the ghost gets in with you at the end of the ride. That was really cool. But So those are some of my memories. And then, of course, I already talked about the monorail going through the contemporary. That was a huge memory for me and something that um, I, I won't ever forget. Hello everyone, it's Tony here. We hope you've been enjoying our reflections on our first trips to Walt Disney World. We have so much more to share with you from our discussion, including my own recollections of my first trip. So we thought we'd stop right here and continue this discussion on next week's show. Make sure to tune in for part two of our first Disney trips, coming to you next Tuesday. Now, let's continue on with this week's show. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our one of our ep- episodic uh, segments. We're going to go and talk about what's happening now in Walt Disney World. And um, uh, if, unless you live under a rock, I know you've heard about the the gigantic bombshell that Disney dropped on everybody this week. Uh, Disney's Genie Plus system that's coming to um coming to a a smartphone near you very soon replacing fast pass replacing fast pass plus replacing the disney my experience app um some of it sounds okay some of it sounds cool there's going to be some features that um are going to be cool you're going to have you know like itineraries your morning to night you can plan a whole itinerary and that sounds great um 
they claim it's going to, you know, give you more flexibility and stuff. And I, I, I'm always amazed by Disney's innovation as far as their, you know, what, where the way they push technology, you know, the magic band technology has been fantastic. You know, you wear it on your arm, you can pay for food with it. You can get into your room with it at your hotel, you know, lots of great stuff. Innovation is something that Disney does great. Um, unfortunately, you know, and, uh, you know, we said from the first episode that we're, we're going to be honest here and we're going to talk about, uh, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And I'm going to be tell I'm, I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, um, it's not often that Disney disappoints me. Uh, they greatly disappointed me this week with the announcement that they're going to start, uh, charging for, for, uh, this, the replacement to the fast pass, fast pass system, the G, the Disney Genie Plus is going to cost uh, $15 per day per ticket or sort of per person. So um, at the Walt Disney World Resort, it's, act, it's even more expensive at $20 a day per person at Disneyland. But for Disney World, $15 a day per person. Um, and that's going to get you basically is going to give you like a reservation. You can go on to the app and get a reservation for, uh, for the rides, but it's only, and they haven't released everything uh, in their, their news release. They haven't, you know, said what attractions are going to be in what tier, but the, the Dean, the genie plus is going to give you access in their explanation to classics like haunted mansion to thrill ride thrill rides like big thunder mountain and even newer favorites like Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. But then they go on to talk about the um, what I would call a premier ride, or I guess in, in, uh, in Disney terms, you would call it that e-ticket ride. Things like Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or um, Rise of the Resistance, those are not going to be included in the Genie Plus. The only way you can... Uh, speed up your wait time for those premier attractions is to pay an additional fee per ride. So you're going to have to, you can either wait in line with all the other suckers or you can pay an additional fee just to reserve your place in what they're calling now the lightning lane um, to get into the, the lightning lane and ride that a little bit quicker they haven't released how much that additional charge is going to be my guess is it's going to be something similar to what uh you were seeing in disneyland paris now they have a similar system and there it's about nine dollars a ride to get that lightning lane access so uh disney hasn't released the the cost for that but my guess is it's going to be something similar to that so what do you guys think? Um, are you disgruntled like I am about uh, Fast Pass going away? They retired Fast Pass. No more free Fast Pass for us. Um, now you're going to pay to get that reservation uh, to get uh, to get in a little bit quicker, and you're going to pay even more per ride if you want to use that Lightning Lane to get into the the premier attractions that uh, will be will be. Uh, announced at a later date. So what do you guys think? How are you feeling about this Disney Genie Plus announcement? Well, if we're live in 2066, we'll be thinking back about how cheap it used to be. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. When we're using that uh, that inflation calculator. Yeah. Uh, actually, this is. It doesn't really surprise me so much that uh, they would do this. The amount that it would cost is 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 kind of um, kind of outrageous because it, it costs. How much does it cost to get into the park nowadays? It depends on what park and it depends on what season. But it depends um, how many days and how many days, right? So now we're adding this extra like premium 100 to it. Yeah, for Magic Kingdom, it's like 130, 140 bucks for a one day pass. See, on on the business end, um, Disney's always done things like this, where or, or not just Disney, I, I guess just businesses in general. I, I think you know places like New York City will start charging more than they have to for attractions, just because they know people are going to pay it anyway. You know, Broadway shows that my wife and I used to go to all the time. Uh, skyrocketed from being, you know, $60 for a seat to being $120 for a seat or $200 for a seat. So uh, they know people are going to pay it. And once you get all the way down to Florida and you have to go on this ride, if you really want to go on Rise of the Resistance and you brought your entire group with you, and this is saying that you're going to be guaranteed a seat to go on there, I think at that point you're going to say, okay, I'll, I'll fork it over. But it's not, uh, me personally, I think it's very, uh, it is very, disappointing to hear that they have to go this route to uh, unfortunately to use the word milk more money out of their their people yeah i I agree i i from a business perspective it's a great plan from a disney fan and person that believes that walt disney was looking for a place for the family to be able to be entertained and for most families to be able to get to. I think this just adds a lot of frustration and will add, it adds a, what my concern is it adds a level of, of, I don't know how to say it, a level of, of status. And you'll have people in line that are looking at these lines going, yeah, we can do that, son. So we're standing in a two-hour line. Yeah, You've got these, for not a better way to help someone, these rich people that can afford to pay their way in front. And that, to me, is just unfortunate, especially in the society that we're living in right now. There's so much so much um division and and a place that's supposed to be magical to go to and get away from some of the some of the stuff that you deal with it's going to bring it right into the middle there's a lot of unemployed people right now to suddenly ask them to have enough money to take their family on vacation like that is is kind of crazy yeah well honestly disney is doing a really good job of uh putting a Disney vacation out of reach for the middle class and, and below, you know, it's, it's, it's almost out of reach for, uh, for the middle class. You know, you, you almost have to, you know, win the lottery or have a rich uncle die in order to afford a a trip to Disney world right now. I I love the place. You know, I absolutely love it. And I'm sure I'm going to go back. Uh, I don't know. Uh, how much of this Disney Genie Plus additional charges I'm going to be using, though? I, I'm, I'll probably just be waiting in line with the rest of the suckers. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I guess we'll go and see. 
you know, first time we go and we we see what it's like and how the lines are and stuff. Well, I guess we'll make an educated decision at that point. But, um, you know, Disney but, gets a know, big dude, thumbs down dude, from me. Yeah, it's, it's a thumbs down for me. Absolutely. And and I'll never forget, we live in Tennessee and Dollywood is just a few hours, maybe an hour and a half, two hours away from us. And when we went there, um, Dollywood is mimics a lot of what Disney does. Oh, no. One thing that they did prior to Disney is charge for their fast pass. And I was appalled that, that they would charge for a fast pass. I'm like, Disney doesn't even charge for a fast pass. How can you be charging for a fast pass? And, and I will say not because Dollywood is another really good family place. You could actually eat at Dollywood and not feel like you're breaking the bank. I mean, it's, it's more expensive than what it would be if you were outside of Dollywood, but it's not so expensive that you feel like you're being overcharged either, if that makes sense. Um, so all that to say, I just, it's unfortunate. I remember going to Disney and uh, on my trip in 2004, um, one of the magic things that happened is um, one of the cast members came up to me because we I was looking at Peter Pan for some, oh, I was coming to get fast passes for Peter Pan, running to get our fast passes. And because back then you couldn't do it online. And I ran into a cast member and they'd already distributed all the fast passes that they were going to distribute just then. And, and he saw the disappointment on my face. And he's like, have you ever rode Peter Pan. I'm like, no, I've never heard it. He's like, well, come ride it with me. I want to get your impression of it. Took me right onto the ride. Nice. Um, then handed me enough fast passes for our entire family later in the day. That's so, beautiful. And I mean, that's some really cool stuff that Disney does, right? And and um, and I thought it was amazing that they did fast passes and no extra cost. And now they kind of taking that magic from me but yeah i always thought you know because universal studios uh universal theme park whatever they charge for theirs as well and you know i always said well that's a universal thing i get that disney's better than that and right. you know um i guess up until 2021 disney was better than that and but they're not anymore and uh they know that we're going to keep going you know we're we would love the place and they know they have us and then we're going to keep going so um, you know, the jury's still out. If it, if it turns out to be fantastic and worth the money, then I will, I'll eat my words and I'll admit it. I'm man enough to do that. But, um, right now I'm disappointed. Well, part of the problem is, is in their press release, it's kind of vague. And if you watch the, the press video, it's also vague because they tell you, oh, some rides may not be included on this, but they, like you said before, they don't tell you which they're not telling you how much it's going to cost. And they don't, they, they're keeping out so many details that, that just make this a little bit more infuriating to the, to the um, hardcore Disney fan. Whereas well, you know, if you're not a hardcore Disney fan, you're just thinking, Oh, they just want more money. And you, yeah. I think, I don't think they're doing themselves a, a service. I really I agree that they're going to see um, they're not going to increase their attendance from this. Well, in, uh, in some ways, maybe this is a crowd control thing. They may, then, they may be, be you know, it, it may work to to level off their crowds, and they're probably okay with that, too. 
So that's what's happening now in Walt Disney World this week. Uh, let's move to our final segment. This is what we like to call What's Your Favorite? Last week, uh, I posed to the guys what their favorite, uh, and they told me between American Adventure and the Hall of Presidents. This week, Ron is taking the wheel. He's going to give us what's your favorite topic, and uh, and then uh, he'll tell us his reasoning, and and Ron and I will uh, will choose, and uh, it'll be great fun. So, what you got, Ron? What's your what's our favorite? So, the what's your favorite this week is gone off of rides and onto food, and Disney's known for some good food and. Um, I'm going with which is your favorite, the, the classic Mickey bar or the chocolate chipper ice cream, chocolate ice cream sandwich that you can get at the bakery and, or yeah, right there near the bakery. And am I supposed to go and tell mine and why? Uh, we could we could do it any way you want. I think last week I think I let you guys answer and then I answered last. I don't remember. Um, yeah, so I'll just answer last then because I, I want to hear what you guys come up. You're with. driving. This is your your segment this week, so you decide. Do we go first or you go first? So. Yeah, you go first and and uh, uh, Tony, go ahead and let us know what you. So I want to clarify. You're talking about the Mickey Premium Bar that's on the stick, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then the other one is you're talking about the the ice cream sandwich that you get in the package at the cart also. Oh no, or, the, this is the ice cream sandwich that you can get the two chocolate chip cookies from the bakery that they put okay. serve ice cream in between. with scooped ice cream in between it. Yep. Okay, gotcha. All right, Tony, you're going to go? Yeah, sure, I'll go. Uh, this one is pretty much very easy for me, uh, especially since my father-in-law was a huge Mickey Mouse fan. We actually had gotten this for him, and this is the answer to that question. I'm having a Mickey Mouse right now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, now let's just clarify something here. Uh, Tony and I didn't know what the question was going to be. That's a whole thing. We're keeping it a secret to each other every week. So inexplicably, for no reason whatsoever, (laughs) Tony has within his reach that Mickey ice cream stuffed animal thing, whatever that is. He had that with him there without knowing what the question was going to be. So apparently that's just something Tony carries around with him. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Not judging you there, my friend. That's good stuff. So my turn? Okay. Um, Your turn, dude. Listen, now, the Mickey Premium Bar on the stick, that is one of my favorites. Love it. But um, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go the other way. The um, I've got it a couple of places. You can get it at the uh, the ice cream store right by uh, Tower of Terror. On, um, oh. And they're right by the Tower of Terror. They've got them there. Um, and I've got them on uh, on Main Street there in uh, – in Magic Kingdom also. Dude, those things are as big as your head. I mean, the cookie is like, I don't know, six inches across. It's a gigantic cookie, and you get two of them. And and then they put, it's probably two or three scoops of, uh, of ice cream in, in that cookie. Um, dude, I've had that for lunch before. Like, you know, like didn't have a meal. I ate that ice cream sandwich uh, for lunch. And they are absolutely amazing. I'm going with uh, cookie sandwich, man. That's I'm going with that. That's my favorite. Absolutely. So I discovered this 
incredible treat when we had the Disney dining plan. If you've ever had the Disney dining plan, you know that you get, I don't know what they give you now. When we first did it, it was an incredible deal and we saved huge dollars on it. And um, that's when I discovered it is you got each day, you got a counter service, a sit down meal <clears throat> that included everything, an appetizer, the entree, dessert and tip um, or drink, the tip was not included. Um, but you also got two snacks a day. Dude, we made out on this thing. So I was wanting a snack and I walked up on Main Street and said, I'd like an ice cream sandwich. And she said, do you want that with chocolate chip cookies? And I'm like, yes, I want that with chocolate chip cookies. And dude, I'm telling you, this thing was huge. I don't, you explained it very well, Dewey. Three people could eat this thing. Three people did not eat it. I ate it. That's but, right. <laughs> but it's enough for three people. And and it took one snack. And I was just like, are you kidding me? So obviously I'm pretty passionate about this chocolate chip cookie uh, ice cream <laughs> sandwich. But the Mickey bar, dude, I get one at least one what? trip. But I would choose the chocolate chip ice cream. Okay. Okay. I thought you were going the other way. I thought you talked 10 minutes about the cookie sandwich and then you're going, <laughs> but I like the Mickey bar. I was like, what? What are you doing? Okay. So the so Mickey bar is definitely a classic and I get one at least one every trip. But if I had to choose one, it's going to be the chocolate chip cookie. Absolutely. Have you, yeah. Have you guys Thank ever you. had the, uh, the grocery store Mickey bar? Yes. I've yes. seen them, but I've not had them. Are they good? They're not as good as the one in the parks, but they are good. I do get them from time to time. They're about a, like a third smaller. Right? Yes. They're a little bit smaller. Yeah, um, yeah they're not this Tastes big. pretty close. Um, it's yeah, it's not as big as Tony's stuffed animal there. Um, but, uh, yeah, for those of you listening and not watching the video, it, Tony has a – it's a stuffed Mickey bar that uh, he, he has apparently taken a bite out of. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can get them in the grocery store, and it's pretty close. They taste pretty close, um, and they're a little bit smaller, but still pretty good. So, all right, that was awesome. Thanks for uh, for giving us our what's your favorite topic for this week, Ron. Uh, Ron, you and I are right, and, and uh, Tony, you're right, too, because you can't go wrong with ice cream and Disney World. You can't World. go wrong with All right, and that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please go and follow us on all our social media. We can be found on Facebook at WDW Reflections Podcast, on Instagram at WDW Reflections Podcast, on Twitter at WDW Reflections Podcast, and you guessed it, on YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast. This podcast can currently be found and played on the following podcast platforms. Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. As we continue to grow, we'll let you know where else we can be found. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for park tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and please keep coming back.
Hey, pal. See you real soon.